Hey gamers, this is Joe for what I'm playing now. I have episode 25 of our podcast here that was originally recorded on May 19th of 2014. Some of the news stories I discussed for the week, a game called Glorious Leader, we'll see if this one's going to be controversial or not. I talk about the 10 studios working on Assassin's Creed Unity, Xbox One sales as well as PS4 sales. Also talk about some Xbox One, Wii U, and PS4 power usage. So far this year, there's also been more Steam games released than all of last year. And the big news for the week, YouTube wanting to buy Twitch.tv. I talk about what I'm playing now, as well as what I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Good evening, gamers. Welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. This is episode number 25. Wow. Can't believe we've done 25 episodes of this already. It has been a fun run so far. All right, so send us some emails. Let us know how we're doing and what's going on, what you're playing. What I'm playing now at gmail.com is our email address. Follow us on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Drop the G. Um, Google Plus, you can follow us on Google Plus at plus.google.com slash the plus sign. What I'm playing now podcast. And follow our twitch.tv channel, twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. And I have a funny feeling. One of the news stories we discussed today is going to be about Twitch. Um, next, we do our studio update. A little studio update. I do have all the podcasts uploaded. Still working on getting everything over to iTunes. One of the things I'm trying to get together is a logo. I have a friend who's actually working on something, and I threw something together this weekend that I may just start using um, just to kind of get things going with that. Um, but you can head out to our website, um, what I'm playing now.com. You can watch the videos, which I have linked from YouTube on our front page. Or if you go under the podcast link on our website, you can find all 24 of our previous episodes that you can listen to at your leisure. Um, all right. So let's, let's hop into some news here. It's been an interesting week. I really didn't think there was going to be a lot of news to discuss this week. Um, but lo and behold, Shit goes down all the time in the video game business. So, um, one of the first things I wanted to talk about was just a crazy, crazy ass game that um, somebody at work told me about called Glorious Leader. Um, this game just seems completely insane off the hook and just. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be very controversial when it comes out and people are going to be probably complaining up a storm. So. The the premise of the game is you play as Kim Jong-un from uh, North Korea. Um, it seems to be a side-trolling shooter, and you're basically fighting against the U.S. Um, but lo and behold, you're, you can have a partner play the game with you, and they play as Dennis Rodman, which I just find is pretty fucking hilarious. Um, the graphics don't look to be the world's greatest. Like I said, it just looks to be a little... Um, side-trolling shooter game. Um, there's some different pictures I see on the one website where they show um, uh, Kim Jong-un riding on a unicorn um, with a gun, mowing people down. It just... I, I don't even know what to say about this game. Um, it, it just looks completely crazy. So, if something like that interests you, go check that out. Um, don't know if we'll be talking about this game again or not. We'll see... Um, when it does come out, what people start saying about it, but I at least wanted to mention it because it just kind of looked um, kind of funny. 
So, well, let's hop over to our next story and get into some little more serious news, I guess you could say. Um, Assassin's Creed Unity, which is coming out this year, is being worked on over at Ubisoft by 10 studios, per this GameSpot article. Um, so the Ubisoft team's working on this. Um, Ubisoft teams in Montreal, Toronto, Singapore, Quebec, Annecy, Shanghai, Chengdu, Kiev, Montpellier, and Bucharest are working on this year's games. I guess only seven studios worked on the AC4 game last year that was released on all the consoles. Um, so they have three more studios working on this, which I think is pretty crazy that th- that uh, they need this many people. Um, I think I'm sure, as a lot of people know, the game is going to be taking place, I believe, during the French Revolution, um, which should be pretty interesting. Um, I haven't really followed too much on the game. Uh, hopefully it comes out to be good with that many studios working on it. Uh, there's just... I'm not really too sure what to say about that many studios working on it. It'd be interesting to see, um, in comparison, some of the other games that have recently been released and how many studios, um, you know, how many different, you know, department pieces that they have working on it. You know, games like the Call of Duty games and... And some of the yearly franchises that we're now seeing, I'd be interested to seeing um, some of the numbers from other companies as to how much of their studio and how many people they actually have working on it. Now, one of the things Ubisoft said um, was that they don't actually give out the actual numbers of people working on it, um, but I guess they did state how many studios were. So I guess if you actually knew how many people worked at each of those different studios, you might be able to backwards way into some possibly close numbers because you don't know if all of the people are working on for that studio are working on the title but um it sounds like a hell of a lot so it better be a damn good game so next we're going to jump into a story in another game story on GameSpot um about xbox one xbox one selling 115,000 units um in the u.s during april now the interesting thing with that is Xbox One sold 115,000. PS4 still beat it out, but I don't believe, I don't know if they actually released any actual numbers um, as to how much the PlayStation 4 actually sold. Um, One of the interesting things I kind of saw in the article, they were talking uh, at a couple of different sites, I've noticed this. They're talking about the first six month sales for these new consoles, and they're saying that they're basically double what they were for the 360 and the PS3 during their first six months of time. But the one thing I have yet to see in any of the articles listed is how many consoles were actually sold during that last six-month period for the previous gen, being the PS3 and the 360, and how many units were actually available. Because from what I remember back in the day when the 360 first came out, I had to stand outside all night to get my 360. And was lucky to get one. Because it seemed that once that initial day sold out, getting a 360 for probably the next six months was close to fucking impossible from what I remember. Uh, I remember my brother wanting one, and he had to wait quite a while before he actually was able to walk into a store and actually just buy one. Um, I had a pre-order, I think, through GameStop back then. And it was months after that they had finally called me and said, uh, you know, do you want to come in and get your console? And I was like, I already picked one up. So you can just give mine to the next person on the list. So it's that's the one thing I, I haven't found anywhere. I'm going to have to see if I can dig up some numbers and actually see if 
there, there I could find some of that information and try to do a comparison to see actually how many were available back then because I know pretty much whatever was available when the 360 and even the PS3 when the PS3 came out even a year after uh, the 360 I know the PS3 was really hard to get um, during the first several months my thinking is during the time frame that they had from their last generation releases to this one I think Microsoft and both Sony have just really increased their supply lines. They've, I think they're possibly making the consoles at a, they're able to do them faster, probably get them to, to the stores faster, and just basically turn around the whole console faster. So I, I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons why these are, they're, they're able to sell so much. Um, even though it still seems like the consoles are in pretty much demand, you know, in a pretty good demand. I haven't really been to any stores lately to see if um, the PS if you if you could just walk in and pick up a PS4 or an Xbox One. I've heard that there's more Xbox Ones available out there than the PS4s, uh, but uh, maybe next time I'm at a store, I'm just gonna have to walk around and just see see what I could find and actually see what I, what what's out there in some of the stores around my area. So one of the other stories that GameSpot had that was basically tying into our last one has to do with some of the software. Um, Titanfall seems to be the top seller um, for the second month in a row. Keep in mind that it was also released on the 360 this past month. Um, So it was released the previous month on Xbox One, the past month on 360. So that's why it's having um, a good set of, you know, some some good legs there at the top of the chart. so we'll have to see this coming month how Titanfall does since it doesn't have a release and if it will be able to keep selling. I've heard a lot of people saying that once they're through the game and they've played it quite a bit, it's it just doesn't have the legs as the Call of Duty and stuff does. So we'll have to see what the sa- if the sales numbers continue um, into this next month and then possibly also look into maybe some server numbers and actually see how many people are actually still playing. That will be the interesting part in that story. So let's jump on to another story, if I could find the right tab here in my browser. And that is Wizards. Watsy, Wizards of the Coast, is suing Cryptozoic Hex Entertainment for infringing upon their magic. Um, They are coming out with a game, Cryptozoic Entertainment and Hex Entertainment, are coming out with a game called Hex Shards of Fate. It appears to be an online, a massively multiplayer online trading card game. Um, And I don't think I've ever heard Wizards refer to their Magic the Gathering online as a massively multiplayer online trading card game. Um, But maybe maybe they do now. I I do have Magic online installed on my computer, but I couldn't even tell you the last time I loaded it up to even play a game. I'm sure I wouldn't even be able to play... Uh, against most people because I'd have to go into just the open area to where all old cards are allowed because it seems from what I remember from when I used to play Magic Online if you wanted to play um, in some of the tournaments and stuff like that you had to have a lot of new newer cards you weren't able to go into just open open play with all, you know all your older cards and things that that you had in your in your decks I believe they kept it to the last two or three releases and and a lot of this stuff could have changed it's been years since i played magic online but i think they kept it to the last two or three releases as to what they considered kind of current um and like i said i could be wrong with that uh but i think it's really funny 
because I remember I got into Magic very early. I think we've talked about this on previous podcasts before. Um, I played Magic very early on. Um, I was a huge Magic fan. Very good game. Um, I met Richard Garfield at one of the conferences um, that we went to back when I worked at the comic book store. And I'm, I'm just really surprised that right now Magic and or you know Wizards of the Coast would basically go after another company, um, saying that they're infringing upon you know Magic's intellectual property, mainly because there have been so many games out since Magic has been released that have basically tried to rip off Magic: The Gathering, and from what I can tell, pretty much nobody has succeeded. I mean, there have been a couple popular card games that have kind of stayed around. Pokemon's always been real big. I think Yu-Gi-Oh! is another real big one um, with kids. I don't think anything's ever really been able to touch Magic the Gathering. And there are there, there have been a ton, a multitude of games. Um, back when I worked at the comic book store and we, were, we did a magazine as well, I remember we would just get cards sent to us from different companies that were trying to put together a game and wanted us to play test it and give them feedback as to what they what you know what we think they should change and what would make the game card game better and well some of them had some good ideas magic was still kind of just the one you always kind of fell back to and played uh and I did watch a video on hex and and some of the things do look familiar to magic but I think there's enough of a difference that I, I wouldn't get the games confused. Definitely wouldn't get the games confused at all. Because they, they, they de- they, there does seem to be some playability differences. But, I mean, I'm no lawyer or anything, so I have no idea how this is going to... how this is going to all fall out or what's going to happen here. But I think Cryptozoic and Hex just have a pretty good case in that I don't believe Wizards has gone after anybody else, so why kind of just pick on these guys all of a sudden when there's how many other card games that have used similar mechanics similar game styles um i i don't know i I got i've read some stories on this like i said i watched the video and i just i don't understand why wizards of the coast would be going after somebody now after all these years um so this is a story i'm definitely going to be keeping my eyes on and following up and we're definitely going to be talking about on a later podcast and I'm 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 interested to see what the outcome is of this. Uh, the the card game Hex Shards of Fate did have a Kickstarter, raised over a couple million dollars, two point two million I think it was, and it looks pretty good from what I saw in the video. I I wouldn't mind playing it. Uh, so hopefully it actually doesn't get stifled and shot down through the court system, and the game is actually able to come out. It's in closed beta right now, so hopefully they can continue going on it, and there's no roadblocks in their way put by Watsy, so let's hope everybody can just get along and play nice together in the future here. Um, Speaking of the future, with our next-gen consoles in all of our houses now, if you don't have one, run out and get one, Um, just be ready for possibly a higher um, power bill, an electric bill. I guess that the PS4 and Xbox One, um, and even the Wii U, although the Wii U is using the least amount of power, um... A lot of their use, a lot of their power usage comes in standby mode. Now, I know standby mode on the PS4 and the Xbox One was something that was kind of touted early on. You're going to be able to do all these different things. You know, when the system's in standby mode, it's going to update. It's going to do all this stuff in the background. And from from what I've heard on different podcasts and even my own experience, 
I had left my PS4 in standby mode during the first couple of weeks, maybe the first month I had it. Now I kind of just power it down. I don't. I really haven't found the need or the use or a good good use case to leave it in um, in standby mode. Um, I think same thing with the Xbox One. From what I've heard, a lot of the a lot of the functionality that was supposed to be around based around the the kind of sleep mode that it would go into. Um, a lot of that functionality still is not there. And it seems like these consoles are using much more power than the PS3 and the 360 were when it comes to um, like a standby type of mode. Um, like I said, the Wii U is using the least amount of power, but the Wii U is also has the lowest end hardware in there compared to the other consoles. So... If you're really interested, if you're really worried about power and you're interested um, in what some of the numbers are, uh, the Polygon article that I was reading has all of those numbers in there. They talk about the NRDC report that was put out by the National Resources Defense Council um, that talks about all these numbers. You can go read the report. They have a PDF report out there talking about everything. But um, just keep in mind, putting your console in um, a sleep mode still does draw some power and it can still eat up um, some electricity. So I think they're just trying to make people cognizant and aware of that. And we will do our part to stay green as well. So let's jump on to another story from Polygon. Um, this is just a crazy one. And it just shows you how Valve is, how, how good Valve is doing with Steam. They've already released more games in 2014 during these first pretty much close to six months now than they did in all of 2013. Now, I'm sure everybody can probably say, well, yeah, that makes sense because of Project Greenlight. Um, if you don't know what Project Greenlight is, Project Greenlight is um, the area of Steam where you can, where a lot of the independent developers go. They put their games up there for people to basically vote on. And basically the games can then go into sale, go on to sale on Steam and, and become released. Um, and Steam is basically, Valve is basically saying that what they want to do with Steam is convert it into an open, open publishing pat, platform per this article, um, which I think would be an outstanding thing. Uh, but the, the thing with that is they're really going to have to police the games that are released and make sure that uh, the developers aren't just in it for a quick dime and then don't actually produce a game. Uh, there have already been a couple of games that have been pulled off of Steam. The War Z, Earth Year 2066 was one that we talked about last week on the podcast. Um, both of those titles were released. They had a lot of bugs. They really didn't offer what the developers had stated was going to say as far as playability went game-wise. So Valve basically went through and yanked them from Steam. War Z came back. I haven't heard anything about the Earth Year 2066 yet as far as it being fixed and um, maybe brought up to a playable state or not. Uh, we'll have to see if that one comes around in an upcoming podcast. But like I said, we did just touch on based on that one last week. But I, th I think something like this would definitely be beneficial for a lot of the indie developers that are out there, a lot of the smaller guys that just don't have a big publishing house behind them and just you know are producing you know good games that uh, gamers want to play and they just want to get them out there. So... More power to Valve, more power to Steam. I actually was just downloading something from Steam earlier today. So um, I, I, I use Steam quite a bit now. I definitely do like digital downloads. I know my cohort in crime here, Greg, who couldn't be here tonight, I know he prefers more of the physical disc type of you know content and everything. Um, but that's it's changing. I mean, they're... 
I, I don't mind buying stuff digitally, and I'm sure going forward, you know, there, there's going to be a lot more people that are like that. But there's always going to be people who are going to want that physical disc. So I really don't ever see the physical disc side of the market ever going away. I would be I would be extremely surprised if something like that ever did happen, um, because there's only going to be so much you can do with a collector set when it comes to um, a digital a digital you know download. You're only going to be able to give so many in-game you know items, coats, whatever you have, you know, different types of you know wardrobe or things in the game. Um, whereas with a with an actual physical collector's edition copy, you can throw in books and a lot of other tangible items that you really hold on to and get your hands on to so i like i said i'd be very very surprised if if the physical side of the video game market really ever went by the wayside like people say it will eventually go um it's i'd be very surprised if it ever did just my opinions who knows i could be wrong we'll see only time will tell um jumping over to another Kind of futuristic thing. Oculus VR hires a Google Glass engineer um, on this GameSpot article. Um, Adrian Wong, who was on Google, who worked at Google um, and did a lot of stuff, it seems, with Google Glass, is now an engineer at Oculus. Oculus, we've had on the, the past several podcasts, we've talked about them. There just seems to be a lot, a lot of good talent from the video game industry and just from different other parts of, you know, industries heading over to oculus and getting into this whole vr thing um as we've talked about before on podcasts i'm totally stoked for vr i can't wait for it i think it's going to be a game changer in this generation of gaming i think it will be the thing that sets us apart from all the previous generations once everybody gets their headsets going um i think it's just going to really change the way people play games and interact i think I think VR is going to be something that's going to catch on much faster than a lot of the the Kinect devices, the PlayStation camera. Well, those devices are good. Well, the well the Kinect with the Xbox One is good for the voice commands and for maybe using it to stream out to Twitch and you know showing yourself on the screen as well. Um, just a lot of people aren't really into playing a lot of games where you're moving around a lot they're good for party games but playing a solo game like that where you're jumping around your living room i just don't think that that type of game style and play playability has really caught on too much um i think vr is something that's pretty much going to catch on to catch on with everybody i think anybody who's into gaming is going to want to do vr and once it becomes widespread and once it becomes viable and at an affordable solution people are definitely going to flock to it and i think that will be the thing that that sets this generation apart from some of the last generation so two predictions in one episode i'm not really too sure if i've ever done anything like that before so we're gonna have to see how how good i do here in the future and see if anything i'm actually saying actually comes true or if i'm just completely talking out of my fucking ass who knows we'll have to wait and see but uh, let's get to the next big story, um, kind of the elephant in the room that was announced, I think, yesterday. I saw it on my Google Plus feed. Um, and this has to do with Google as well. So we kind of just jump right over into this. Um, one guy leaving Google for Oculus and Google basically trying to bring more people on board working for them in the fact that um, YouTube is going to acquire Twitch TV, possibly, um, for $1 billion dollars. Now, this could be a big game changer in the streaming market. Um, 
Twitch TV, I think, was number four a couple months ago as far as streaming goes in the U.S. during prime time. Uh, the amount of people that are actually streaming to Twitch and watching streams is just growing in astronomical numbers. Twitch was launched in 2011 um, on this Polygon article that I was reading, and it has just done nothing but grow over the past, you know, three years. And it doesn't seem like it's slowing down anytime soon. Um, we do a Twitch, we do our streaming out to Twitch TV, and we do it because it just works because it seems to be the most popular thing out there right now. Um, and it's, it, it just, while it's not the perfect and best, you know, solution, it definitely works. It's definitely probably one of the better things out there right now. There is sometimes some buffering and some speed issue, you know, issues you'll notice with Twitch and everything like that. But from most of the time when I'm sitting there watching it, most of the time we're streaming to it, it does work really good. Um, It'll be interesting to see if the U.S. regulators actually challenge this merger, though, or this purchase, I guess. I don't want to say merger um, because, you know, Google's basically buying them. They're not combining companies. Um, but it'll be interesting if the uh, if this is actually allowed to happen. Um, with two giants in the video streaming um, parts of the industry um, coming together like this, this could just be one huge dominant force that could basically be considered a giant monopoly. And that's my phone. My wife is texting me. So we will have to get back to her in a few minutes. Um, so, Twitch... We're going to text her back real quick, just so I don't get in trouble later. All right, let's continue now. Sorry about that. Um, but Twitch, it, it sounds like from reading a couple of different articles, because um, GameSpot had one too. They were basically talking about Microsoft wanting to buy them too. And it sounds like there are a lot of um, investors that were really interested in Twitch as well, since Twitch is basically the biggest game streaming um, service out there, I'm guessing you could probably say. Um, and... It, it sounds like Twitch probably wanted to go with Google and take their offer. My guess is because Google has the infrastructure that Twitch needs to basically go to the next level. And that's probably a very smart thing to do. Now, when you go with something like Google and you go with the, the biggest player out there, everybody's biggest concerns from what I saw on forums and it, it was one of my biggest concerns initially is having to do with the content ID and how strict YouTube has gotten with a lot of the content ID and with video game music playing and just a lot of the stuff that they're that they're marking and dinging people for that are producing content on YouTube so everybody's wondering will all of these Well, all of these kind of like rules and regulations that have been put on YouTube, will they be put onto Twitch as well? And my first initial thought is, if YouTube did do that, they would probably kill Twitch completely. So they're, if they do it, they're going to have to do it differently than YouTube. They're not going to be able to use the same type of algorithms and stuff that they're using on YouTube to find a lot of this stuff. Um... 
and and, and they're really going to have to treat treat this in a, in a different manner. If they just come in, take over Twitch, and just kind of mandate the same type of things that YouTube has as far as rules goes, my first opinion would be we are leaving Twitch and we are going to another service. There are other services out there that are probably going to be more than willing and more lenient with a lot of their rules than what Google and YouTube is. So this is going to be an extremely interesting next couple of months with Twitch. One, if this deal actually goes through. Two, how much control or how free Google lets Twitch be in whether they actually pull them under the big Google umbrella. Now, I'm sure, like I said before, Twitch probably did this mainly because of the Google infrastructure. Um, there's there's some people that are saying, you know, Twitch needs to do a lot of upgrading. Um, it does seem that, like, chat does, does go down sometimes. And it's just Google's infrastructure could probably make Twitch an, an extremely streamlined service. Like I said, though, if Google comes in and puts rules on there, they could also kill that service just as quick um, as Twitch has become popular. So we're going to have to watch this story going forward and actually see and keep an eye on things to see what happens. My initial thinking is, like I said, Google's going to take them over. They're going to get the service running good. Um, they'll probably put ads and stuff on some things. Um, cause keep in mind, you know, Google makes a lot of their most, almost all their money off of ads. So I would expect probably more ads from Google to be in there. Um, I, I really don't think Google will come in and decree a lot of the content ID stuff, especially because of what Twitch is based off of. Twitch is based off of streaming, the streaming of video games. And so it's, it's a little bit different than, than YouTube because YouTube isn't as much as a live streaming service. So I, I really think that they're going to have to keep that in mind, and I'm sure they are when they're, when they're looking at the differences and how they basically define the two, the two differences and the two businesses as, as being different um, because that's, that's something that they're, that they're definitely going to have to try to do. They're going to want to basically main, make sure and maintain that that the businesses aren't overlapping any, that they are basically two different types of businesses um, and two different types of services. And I think that will be the, the best way for Google to treat it, and it will be the best way for Twitch to stay with the way that it is today without basically falling apart so that will be a good one to pay attention to and watch i saved that story for the last story that i wanted to discuss i'm going to get into the what i'm playing now section um i played a few games this week although i really haven't had a ton of time to play some stuff of course i played more elder scrolls online um I'm still kind of looking for a guild. Um, me and a couple of guys from work, we're still looking for a guild to join up. We haven't really found one or picked one yet. Um, still having a lot of fun with Elder Scrolls um, and haven't really become bored with that yet. And I'm hoping to be able to get closer or at least, you know, very close to level 50 
uh, before the next couple of weeks before Watch Dogs comes out. Because once Watch Dogs comes out, I'm going to try to be juggling my time between the two. Um, so I really got to bust bust some ass this week um, during the three-day weekend and really try to grind through some levels on Elder Scrolls and get that closer to 50. Because I think right now, I think I hit 37 last night. So um, I was playing a little bit more of Binding of Isaac. I haven't had a chance to install the the joystick drivers for that one yet that you need to play that one so i've still been playing with the keyboard that game is rough that game's sadistic it's kind of fun though and it just has a nice little appeal to it that i that i kind of enjoy um so i'm definitely going to be playing more of that in the upcoming weeks uh saturday morning i was kind of sitting around on my android phone and i found this little game that had just come out army of darkness defender um army of darkness fan of course um and sat there, downloaded it, and started playing it. And over the course of the past couple of days, I probably have a good four or five hours into this game. Maybe even more. I've kind of lost track of how, how much. I'm basically level 50 right now in the game. I've gone through 50 different levels. And the game is definitely significantly harder um, than it was in some of the early levels. I'm just kind of grinding out and just trying to buy more stuff and boost up um, my my defenses and a lot of my um, different units I'm using for attacking. If you have an Android phone, I don't know if this is out on iOS. I really didn't even look. Um, but if you have an Android type phone, definitely download it. It's free. It does have some components in there to where you can buy yourself gold, in-game gold that you can use. Um, up to level 50, I haven't really felt the need for it. There was one level, one or two levels in the early 40s where I kind of hit a wall where I just kind of needed to grind through some more gold um, before I had actually advanced just to beef up my um, castle a little and some of the other things in the game. Um, if you wanted to, you could pay to win this game easy and just dump a ton of money into it, max everything out and just blow through the levels. I kind of like the strategy part of it because you can pick out... Um, certain characters that you can use. You have several different attack type characters um, that have varying strengths of attacks and defense. Um, as they go up in attacks and defense, they cost more gold, or not more gold, I guess I should say more iron or steel or whatever it is in the game that your um, crafter is actually, that your kind of blacksmith is making for you that you get every second or so um, to be able to um, pull these units out. And you're not really placing towers down. The, the basis of the game is you're kind of defending the, the Necronomicon book. So you have mobs coming in from the right side of the screen, which you're basically bringing yourself in who can attack, um, along with other characters that you're, that you, that you're um, able to um, bring in, like um, peasants and different types of warriors um, on horses and stuff like that. You can even call in Arthur, and they have different kind of unique um, people, which I believe you could probably only have like one out at a time. But some of those are costing around 45, 50, 65 gold to, you know, bring forward. And it's definitely a little more expensive. And, and you can, I normally only bring those out closer to the end of the game um, when I just kind of want somebody big kick-ass to go through. Um Interesting little game though. I was having a I was having a blast with it. My wife kept walking by like, "What the hell are you playing?" I was like, "I don't know. It's a defense game, and I can't really seem to put it down right now." I was just kind of sitting there, just enthralled with it, you know, over the weekend. Um, and then yesterday evening, 
since I don't have The Walking Dead to watch on TV anymore, um, The Walking Dead Season 2 Episode 3 finally came out, and I had just played Episode 2 a couple weeks ago. Since I was hot on the heels of that, I really wanted to jump right into Episode 3. I did. I, I sunk my teeth into that episode, knocked it out in a couple hours is about all it took. And all I could say is, fucking A, what a game. The first season got Game of the Year for a reason. And this season, too, is just... It, it, it's, it's peaking right now with Episode 3. It's some of the decisions that you have to make in this game and some of the stuff that they're putting Clementine through. I don't want to try to do too, too many spoilers. I told myself I'd actually do some spoilers earlier, but I want to try to control the spoiler alert since it did just come out pretty much like a week ago or so. Um, and it's it's still pretty fresh, so a lot of people might not have played through it. But some of the decisions and, and situations they're putting Clementine through where you have all these adults who are basically looking to this child like, okay, we're going to have you do this for us. And she just steps up each time, is a damn trooper, knocks the shit out of the park, and 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 just and just does some some amazing things that you know if you were basically a child in the zombie apocalypse, it was you you would hope that you'd be able to do some of these things and step up to the plate and just just be a be a team player like she is. Um, but the way the episode ends was just just totally fucked up. Um, the The past two episodes has, has have kind of reminded me of basically the past season or so in the in the actual TV show, and and some of the stuff that they're doing in the game you you've actually seen on some of the early episodes of the TV show I will say, and that crossover and that kind of like overlap is just. It's just kind of cool. I mean, when when they start doing some of the stuff towards the end of yesterday's episode, I was just like, wow. I remember when they did this on the TV show. I know that was really pretty, pretty just freaking insane. Um, they had done some of this stuff in, ep- in the first episode as well. But it, it's really nice to see that um, just the whole Walking Dead genre, not want to say genre, but the whole Walking Dead storyline is just just an amazing thing. It's it's just one of the best the best storylines that I've seen in years, and I, I really just enjoy it. So um, if you have not played any of The Walking Dead, start with Season 1. You can knock it out in a weekend, get Season 2, and get caught up to Episode 3, and I, I'm, I can guarantee you will love season, you love Episode 3, and it will, I'm, I'm, on my edge of the seat, I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for the next episode now, and it's probably not going to be out for quite a while. Um, but that was pretty much the games that I played for the week. Uh, so what are we going into next? What I want to play now. So one of the games I picked up a couple weeks ago when I picked up um, The Binding of Isaac was Desktop Dungeons. I have not had a chance to sit down and play this yet. It looks pretty cool from the videos that I've watched. Um, I, I, I kind of want to get into it. I just haven't had a chance. The other thing I really wouldn't mind playing is the game I talked about earlier, that Hex the Shards of Fate. Um, I haven't really played a lot, a lot of card games lately that are that are similar to Magic. Uh, once I kind of got out of Magic, I kind of got away from that thing. I did play Magic Online for a little bit afterwards, um, you know, a couple of years later, just because I just really didn't want to go to the stores and sit down and play, you know, play like that anymore. I, you know, I had the laptop. I could just sit there and play on the laptop, and it was just so much easier. 
to do that. Um, but this game, this game, the, the Hex Shards of Fate does look pretty good. And um, I'm kind of glad... I don't want to say I'm kind of glad Wizards is suing them, uh, but I don't know if I really would have paid much attention to the game because I would have just said, oh, it's another card game. Uh, but now that I've actually watched some video, I've seen it played, and uh, it looks interesting. So I wouldn't mind giving that a shot. So that's one of the other things I'd kind of like to maybe play. See if I can maybe get into the beta and then maybe talk about that one day once it, once it gets into more of an open beta. And I'm sure there's an NDA around everything right now, so probably be something I wouldn't even be able to talk about. Um, but that's about it. Episode 25, we're going to wrap up. Um, in closing, um, send us an email. Let us know how we're doing. Um, let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. What I'm playing now at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Hit our Google Play Plus page up, plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And follow us on Twitch and watch our Twitch streams when we do them. I know I didn't get a chance to do one this weekend. My wife's mother was in the hospital this weekend in between the flood last week and her going into the hospital midweek and then finally coming home. Uh, the past week's just been kind of fucked up and kind of a hell for us. So um, that's why my list of what I've played is kind of like pretty much just about most of what I did last week because I really didn't have a chance to sit down and play anything new. So hopefully this week on our twitch.tv stream, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now, um, we can get some things going this weekend during the holiday weekend. Um, I think Greg may be back this week, so maybe we can get him to do a Wednesday stream. We'll have to see how that what's going on with him and how he's doing. Um, if not, maybe I'll try to jump in there on Wednesday and maybe do a little something. Maybe I'll do a little Elder Scrolls to keep my Elder Scrolls leveling going on. So that's it for the week, everybody. Have a good week. Send us some emails. Let us know what you're playing now. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. <laughs>